Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Black Love Bites with me, Joy Francis. And me, Patsy Isles. Today we are recording from Goldsmiths University and courtesy of Deirdre Osborne. And the topic for this episode is erotica. And we are really pleased and excited to welcome Leonie Ross. Hi. Yay! <laughs> so what can I say about Leonie Ross? We go back... Oh, quite away when we were both journalists <laughs> but let me just give you a brief bio of Leonie. Leonie Ross is an award-winning novelist, short story writer, editor and teacher. Her first novel, All the Blood is Red, was long-listed for the Orange Prize. Her second novel, novel Orange Laughter, was a BBC Radio 4 Woman's Hour watershed fiction favourite. The Times Literary Supplement called her a master of detail. Her short story collection, Come Let Us Sing Anyway, which will be the focus of this podcast, Mm -hmm. is a fantastic book, published by People Tree Press in 2017, was nominated for the 2018 Jalak and Edgehill Prizes, the OCM Bocas Prize for Caribbean Literature, and awarded runner-up in the 2018 Saboteur Awards. I voted for you on that one as well. (laughs) Ross teaches at Roehampton University in London, and she's an editor and a writing competition judge. Welcome, Leonie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, one, I just want to give a shout out right from the beginning is that you've supported the Black Love Project from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Totally believe in it. And I um, really appreciate that. And I mean, when we launched the initial findings, Leonie was one of the panellists mm-hmm. and had a lot to say about all of you know by now how what the findings were in relation to sex, mm-hmm. yeah. the fact that there is a lot of ambivalence, and we're going to explore that, but with a particular focus, obviously, on erotica. But I want to come to Come Let Us Sing Anyway, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, um, that it's a, a fantastic collection of short stories, and which I had the pleasure of reading when I was on holiday in Spain on the beach, and I gasped, and I had to stop laughing. I had to remember where I was. was. I was getting hot with one of the stories that we're going to look at today. Oh, it's savage. a fantastic, fantastic story. Absolutely. Um, but... What, you know, let's, let's come to you, Leone, in terms of the fact that the short stories cover 15 years of writing. Yes, they do. And um, what is, because the fact it's over 15 years and there's a thread around erotica and sex and sexual expression, what is the allure of erotica for you, particularly in terms of through the black experience? Mm-hmm. You see, this one's, I keep getting asked this question, right? Mm. It's like, what is it with you and sex? Well, it's a bit more sophisticated that, but yeah, what is it with you? Yeah, that is the bottom line. But the thing is, I've been asked that all my life. I've been mm. asked that since I was a little girl, right? Mm. I'm not quite sure why. My, my family are amused by this. It's like I arrived from planet wherever and went, you know, this thing that people do together that means their bodies get really close together is really interesting to me. Tell me more about that. So I was really one of those curious children. And so to me, I mean, we can talk more about that later perhaps, but to me, including the sexual in literature just makes sense to me. Mm. Um, Leaving it out doesn't make any sense to me. And being coy about it doesn't make any sense to me. And being apologetic about it doesn't make any sense to me because in the same way I'm interested in the texture of a piece of clothing or I'm interested in an adventure story that means that my my readers are getting excited as they read it and they want to know what happens next or I'm writing horror. It's To me, it's all the same thing, literally. Mm. So, But of course, I'm not an idiot. I'm aware that people, you know, a little sex goes a long way. It's like I've become on one level this sex writer, which amuses me because only about 20% of this 
this book is erotica. It's certainly not the only thing I write. Mm-hmm. I have no objection to people seeing me like that. I mean, again, I'm just amused. Because to me, it's just part of writing authentic literature. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I do have a particular, um, I suppose, affection for this area of, of life because so many people find it hard to communicate about it. Mm-hmm. And because I do find it easy to communicate about it, mm-hmm. I want to help that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the interesting thing in, in, in that you write it so well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think that is the key. That's, that's probably why people want to, to kind of give you that label mm-hmm. because you write it well. But what do you mean by well? Because well, I mean, it, we it, can, you, you know, just feel like you can relate to it. I think, that. okay, yeah. Why, do you, why does it work for you. It works for me because it feels honest, yes. it feels open, it feels as though you are talking about the things which we were always told never to talk to speak about. And actually it feels refreshing to have those things spoken about in that way. You see what's the wonderful thing is I was never told not to talk about them. Ah, well, exactly, it was interesting yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So there's a very particular thing going on about my yeah. upbringing that has really helped, that I know is in contrast with so many other people, yes. particularly black people. Mm. Contrast and even more specifically Caribbean to some mm-hmm. degree, mm-hmm. Um, and I and I, I want to sort of follow up on um, you know when you pose that question to Patsy about you know in terms of you writing it so well, for me and I and I hear what you're saying about the fact that because I mean I don't look at you as a sex writer I look at you a writer who allows the reader to engage with their sexuality mm. and, and experiment with it in their mind by virtue of what you write that, so yeah. and and the fact that you the lens is one that. I recognise as a black woman, mm-hmm. um, and also it's intergenerational, mm-hmm. because that's what I loved about the book. You had older women, younger women. You had, you had um, the journey of one yeah, woman ex- from young to, to older mm-hmm. as well. Yes. And yeah, even yeah. the element of magic realism about the woman who was in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you got. I'm not telling you everything, people. You got to buy the book. You got to buy the book and read the book. Um, but I think that's something. And so you know, the things that for people who have mothers and fathers, because men are not invisible in the book. Men are there, LGBTQ experiences are in the books. Mm-hmm. You cover the gamut of who we are mm-hmm. and who we can be. And it, it's a, for the, I think what the story that I want to look at, because what we're going to do... Uh, Let's do it story by story. No, we're not going to do okay. it story by story. We, we haven't got as much time right, for that. <laughs> no, I didn't mean all but, those stories. No, I just but, meant the ones but, that but, but, but Yes, exactly. So there's one that definitely appeals to me in terms of intergenerational um, relationships and experiences. I think that a lot of like my you know my parents generation could if they're honest relate to mm-hmm. uh, and then Patsy picked out one that would have been my second one I said well you can deal with that one because we've got to figure out you know some of the what we should have in the beginning saying you know some of the suggestions or language or the stories may offend some people but yeah, we, I was about to say, we're not apologizing for that but switch off now <laughs> well I think I think you need to be with Leonie but we're saying at this point if you are easily offended you know and it's, we just, don't, to have it's just to give you the yeah. warning that that you know we're talking about erotica we're talking about sex we're talking about relationships we're talking about it honestly um so there will be there'll be moments where it may be uncomfortable with you and that's not our intent mm-hmm. but also we're not going to apologize for that either um so I, I, so one of the first stories I want to refer to is Love Silk Food, mm-hmm. which I think reflects that whole, you know, our parents' generation type yes. story set in North London and, and yeah, a part of it, what I know 60s, really well. Yeah, yeah in this year, and, and um, Wood Green, North London. <laughs> and I just wondered if you could read the first paragraph. I sure. think it sets up the story incredibly well. Um, and then we can have a bit of a discussion around it. Cool. Okay, so this is Love Silk Food. 
Mrs. Nisi Brown's husband is falling in love. She can tell because the love is stuck to the walls of the house, making the wallpaper sticky, and it's seeped into the calendar in her kitchen. So bad she can't see what the date is. And the love keeps ruining the food. Whatever she does or however hard she concentrates, everything turns to mush. The dumplings lack squelch and bite. They come out doughy and stupid like grey belches in her carefully salted water. Her famed liver and green banana is mush too. Everything has become too soft and falling apart like food made for babies. Silk food, her mother used to call it. Mrs. Nisi Brown's husband is falling in love. Not with her, no. Now, see again about texture. The, the eroticism is even in that. The, you know, the walls Ooh. are sticky, you know. And the fact that this woman, grown woman, been married for years, is with a man who desires someone else. Yeah. All the time. All the time. So much so, the house is aware of it. You know, and I feel that, you know, and it covers, you know, sexual oppression, but also awakening. Mm -hmm. And that moment, and we've spoken about this, isn't it? That when, you know, she decides to take a walk mm -hmm. and this man's flirting with her and she doesn't know what, she doesn't doesn't know what to do yeah. with herself and feeling bad. And she's vexed. And she's vexed. <laughs> oh, that, that's the way we deal with the, the vulnerability yes, and, right. and discomfort, isn't yes, it? Yeah. Her man is cheating with some woman half his age and yet someone's showing her attention and, and yet the guilt the vexedness, uh -huh. because again, there's this thing, isn't it, that, you know, it's almost like you brought it on yourself. It's like, mm -hmm. how, what sort of woman do you think I am? Mm -hmm. So you categorize yourself out of any sexual yes, um, the bad gratification, girls. isn't it? The excitement girls. Yes. Those are the bad girls. And yes. that's not right. what she is. No. And then she finds herself in a position where another woman looks at her thinking she might be an excitement girl. And yes. for me, in that moment, I'm trying to show that. All of us could be excitement girls, depending on who's looking at yes. us. Life is not so easy or so one-dimensional. You never know how you're going to be seen. You never know what fantasies or passions you're mm. going to you know, respond to in a moment. Um, I just wanted to humanize her because she's so cruel about these women mm. her husband's cheating with. And she doesn't hold him to task for it. She puts it all on the women. Mm. And of course, yes, I think that the women who are involved there have a responsibility to their own lives to mm. not be involved with men who are involved elsewhere. Of course. That's another thing. But that thing that some women jump on the woman, I, I've never supported that one. Mm. And this inability, isn't it? Because what, again, it's, again, it just feels like, you know, the, the conversation we have with Natalie Lou when we're looking at relationships, because if we face our choices and what we said yes to and what we continue to compromise on, what does it say about us? So it's easier to, to, to externalise it and project it on somebody else. Mm. What has the response been from readers and particularly older women readers mm. and even older men, you know, because you've, you know, you've, you've had the launches, people still talk about the book online or Twitter, you're active on social media. What, what's come, what surprised you and what have people said to you? I think one of the things that has made me really happy is because I've published novels before mm. and they've had love from the community as well, which means a lot to me. But there's something about a short story collection, and this is my first, and I didn't factor in that everybody would like something different. I mean, there are consistent ones. There are like consistent six that most people like. Mm. But then everybody likes another little one. And it's actually like offering out a series of presents. It's like offering like a, a buffet or a, you know a chocolate to people. So everybody picks their favorite, and that's what's been fascinating to me. This this joy of not only because there are twenty three stories, 
I'm not giving one gift. I'm giving 23 little gifts, which mm. has just been gorgeous. Um, older people? I, I mean, I don't know. You see, I, I'm surrounded by people who are, again, kind of cool with sex. So the fact that I write about sexuality, the fact that I write about relationships, it's just par for the course. I certainly have women in particular saying to me, thank you for this. And I know what surprised me particularly about the, the sensuality area of it is that people seem to have responded with surprise that it is so joyful. Yes. yes. And I yes. haven't thought about it as mm. particularly joyful. It wasn't a word I thought about mm. before. But so many people have used the word joyful. And how they thanked me for that, for the experience of reading sex that was joyful. Not all of it is joyful, mm. of course, but mm. one woman said to me she felt that even in the traumatic bits, and there are challenging bits, but then to me that's about power, not sex, but some mm. other thing, um, she said she still felt my joy at the back of it. Um, another woman made me laugh. She said, Leonie, is it that you have no moral centre? <laughs> <laughs> me laugh, me laugh, me laugh. I thought this was the most magnificent review I could ever have had. This woman just thought I was just... Like, she could see she was, she, she was befuddled. She didn't know how to respond because yeah. she quite liked it, and yet she didn't like that she was liking it. And actually, she thinks I'm one of them dotty excitement girls. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so you could see all of these things fighting within her. She was kind of, she kind of came up to me at a book thing to kind of tell me off, you know, like, you know, you're talking out your business in, in on the road, right? And I'm like, okay, she must have been maybe 70, which is my mm. mother's age. Um, and I was like, all right then, thinking to myself, if my mom was okay with it, whatever. But okay, you know, and but she she obviously had this this pull because she admired it at the same time. She read it at the end of she the day. And I think it is that you could start uh, really for want of a better word, it's sort of the double standards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that, that we come across it in the survey. Yeah, anyway, we came across this constantly this, talk yeah, about. Yeah. Came, it was really funny because just on that point, um, we asked people to share with us what, what advice they received from both their fathers and their mothers, as you know, from the, the launch. And this quote actually really makes me think about that, you know, in terms of, so this person said, what, well, we asked them, what did you learn from your mother? And this person said, nothing, but I know she had a vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> we have to say that one for you, because I, I just kind of think that we it, should all have a vibrator. We should all, exactly. I was having this conversation. For so many actually. reasons. And not just for the chuckles of it, you know. No. For the opportunity to explore, for the right. opportunity to own your mm. own sexuality, yeah. for the opportunity to know that whatever is going on in your relationship life, that you are still alive, that your mm. skin is still alive, because they work and they're effective and they can make That's you cry. Right. Because, also, you know, yeah, yeah, all but, kinds of reasons. I mean, I also as well, so that you know yourself, you know yeah. your body, and you yeah. can then communicate what works for you. Yeah. You know, because I think yeah. that's another thing that we don't want to talk about. Yeah. You know, we get ourselves into these relationships and, you know, the guy that we're with, he's doing what he used to do to his last of partner, course, which, which is fair fine enough. for her, yeah. you yeah. know, and actually he's doing what he what he's learned yeah. works. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. You know, so so you have to be able and to And how is he supposed to know? Exactly. Unless we can tell them. Yeah. Provided, I, of course, he's the kind of person who is willing to, to take listen. your cues and yeah. to listen and so on if he's not flinging out of bed. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to go back to what you're saying about, you know, about when people, the women have come up to you and I think it's interesting again about crossing the line where men and women talk about sex mm. that's why it's so good to have Derek on Derek Owusu mm. um, but I think you know when they say they can feel your joy mm-hmm. I think because at the survey and what we know I think the book takes the shame out of it there's mm. no it's like where's shame shame has no home in your book I'm not ashamed mm. right and I think that's what maybe the women, you know, are picking up yeah. because it was just sheer unadulterated enjoyment to me and I didn't know where you were going to take me with particular stories. Mm. I've had 
very different experiences from not only the average Caribbean woman, mm. but also a lot of average women in mm. general, mm. But, you know, uh, especially maybe of our age, but I still think these problems are going on for young people yes. as well, which drives me crazy. It's mm. like we're still having the same conversation. Mm. Several things that occurred to me listening to the podcast, you guys, by the way, congratulations. Thank you. Over Thank you. time, which mm. is this. One, I had a liberal artifati upbringing in which when sex came up, everybody did their very best to be supportive and understanding and open and give me information I needed. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say my mother didn't feel a little way, mm-hmm. but not a big way. And she certainly didn't let her way, feeling, get in the way of giving me the information I needed. So mm-hmm. that was the first thing. Efficient uh, and not so foolish, coy, wing-wang, blah, blah. Coy, no euphemisms, yeah. right? Here are books. And I was extremely curious about this area, so I got more and more and more books, and I was a reader, of course, and discussion. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I come from, it, not, not my grandparents, but my immediate parents, my father's white and Scottish, my mother's Jamaican and, and, um, and black, and um, atheists, no? Mm. So therefore, the religion is not in the house at all. Now we can get into long conversations. Please, people, don't be offended. I'm just saying that was also a difference. And I know that religion, not in its positivity, which mm. is there, but in its negativity can mm. cause major problems with uh, communicating about sex. So that wasn't there either, mm-hmm. right? Plus, number three, both my father and my eventual stepfather, who came into my life when I was 10, mm. talked to me really openly and honestly about sexuality from the point of view of men. Mm-hmm. And those three things taken yes. together mm-hmm. equaled, plus maybe my curiosity, no shame. Mm. Which is not to say everything has been perfect in my love life, believe me, but mm. oddly, in terms of sex, that's not my problem. Mm. If there's any problem at all or been any challenges, that's not the thing. Because I then just thought of it as this natural joyous, normal thing. I've always been quite sentimental, so I did want it in the context of love. Mm. As I got older, actually, I found out that, excuse me, people are good fuck, could be nice as well. Yes. Mm. Right? So, or, mm. so you know, you, you move from place to place in your own responses. Mm. And I also, this is the final thing on this, I began to realize that I was in the minority with this no shame thing. Mm. That even my girlfriends who were not ashamed anymore had still had to go through a long process of working to let go of the shame Mm -hmm. or to work on the ignorance and so on. And so I keep saying, and my mother keeps saying, oh God, woman, it wasn't all just me, but really, mommy, thank you. Because it's it's this amazing gift in this world Mm. that he still commercializes sex and still treats it as if it's this shameful, oh God. Mm. I'd like us to let go of this. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's important. It really is important. And actually, in our community, it still, it still shocks me, actually. Because, mm. um, I mean, I, I've travelled my own journey in terms of kind of, you know, because obviously I had that upbringing. I had that upbringing when you, you didn't talk about those kinds of things. You didn't discuss it, certainly, with your parents. You know, and having to travel my own journey into what my sexuality meant to me mm-hmm. and, and, and who I was, you know. Um, and even and today, when I kind of think about it, I think, and I've got friends who are very much like that as well, we're quite open and we'll talk about these things. But, you know, it's, it's interesting from the survey and from the responses that we got at the, the launch, how this is still such a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I don't understand what we can do to... to I mean, your of, face, when you saw some of the stats that were up, and the first thing you asked, remember, you said, what was the percentage mm-hmm. of men and women who answered the survey? Mm-hmm. I haven't forgotten, you remember? And we said at that point, it's... it's Better now, because we've got 900. Yeah, yeah. And so we actually creeped up. I think then it was 16% mm-hmm. men and the rest, you know, 84% women. And then I think by the time we last looked, it was 22% men. Yeah. You know, so that's a bit yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, we nudged yeah. over. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we, we've yeah. had to really target yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and ironically, I think when you sit down and 
the thing that always fascinates me is when you give people the opportunity to talk in person, um, black people, they actually do mm-hmm. want yes. to. Yeah. And now the only yes. thing is, what if we don't realise, that's, that's the actual magic question, you know, it's like to ask the question, mm. because a lot of time we just think, well, no, they won't want to talk about it, so we're speaking for you. To, to be fair, this is why we're doing what we're doing here. Yes, yeah. yeah. And also the thing about erotica and sexuality, isn't it? What you're seeing now is that a lot of older women are enjoying sex as they get older. Yes. Mm. And it's ironic because no one bats an eyelid when an older man who allegedly, you know, in terms of potency, is on the wane, whereas for women it increases, mm-hmm. with younger women. And yet, when older women and with younger men, how people behave, actually that seems to be a much more natural order of things mm-hmm. because of our relationship with our sexuality as we get mm-hmm. older. And there's no question about that. And like you, the only, I'm not going to repeat it and bore you guys again, but we talked about, I said I was obsessed with sex, but really it's about, when, I, people, when Derek, when Derek <laughs> was there, I suppose I had to come back on me. But what I meant was, it's almost like quite anthropological, what makes us tick. Yeah, absolutely. I know 100%. that it's, you know, it's there. And also the books I used to read from when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, especially a lot of American literature and the different contexts in which sex was explored. There's a difference, isn't it, between pornography and erotica and yeah. I think sometimes people get confused that erotica means pornography so you can't go there yeah. when actually erotica to me sensuality is just so life-affirming and puts us in touch with our own feelings and our and what what our preferences are isn't it what do you like how do you know what you like and sometimes mm. you've got to trial that yourself first yeah. I mean so the book is almost like a, a blueprint of sorts um so Leonie it would be really great if you could maybe just read us the opening from drag lovely I shall do that Drag. Today I feel like a drag queen, walking down Soho Way through the tourists and the catcalls. My crotch is aching under the good jeans and the bad underwear, watching the freaks go by, acres of eyeliner and jangly earrings and crap t-shirts that pass for fashion, walking and making sure my hips sway in calypso circles. Today I feel like a drag queen. The top layer of me is a bouncing and behaving woman. I'm all rounded tits and a belly button so deep you could play strip poker inside it. But I feel like a boy, 18 years old, slim hips, shoulders so strong I could carry the world. Baby soft face and mascara eyes. The boy in me lengthens my stride and gives me attitude. He looks out from under my eyelashes. I'm working it. I'm being seen. I'm shimmying. The only thing I want to drink more than a beer tonight is you, he says. I look up. He's not my type. When I read that, I was on the beach, and I was like, I would imagine, I'm just curious, you know, it'd be great to actually then get, at some point get people, women who've read it mm. in the room to say what it oh, that made them the feel, don't you think? I think, because when I read it and I was on the, the beach, I'm like, I was literally talking, like, whoa. And also, you know, I think there's a lot of us think, I would so like to do that. You <laughs> this know? is a story, just to be serious. This is yeah. a story about a woman's whole life, with it, oh, defined by the three times she meets the same man who mm-hmm. she has sex with each time. And each time, I think in her 20s or 30s, maybe very early on in her 20s and then in her 30s. Mm-hmm. And, um, see, I'm forgetting my own story. She's 18. Um, yeah, she's 18 and then yeah. she's in her 20s, mid 20s, and then she's mm-hmm. in her late 30s. Um, and she has sex with this man in a different way, each way. That's right. And each, each time, sorry, and each time she learns something different mm. that yes. she needs to learn mm. from her life. And so because she's in different stages of her sexuality and her life, mm. the, 
I don't know, the mischief here is that I've tried to insert all kinds of different sexualities and responses to sexuality and approaches and activities so that basically anyone who reads the story might find something they like. Mm. So I'm trying to increase the possibility <laughs> of your arousal, right? And we actually have done that. <laughs> you managed you manage that. And you don't like her at 18, you might like her at 25. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I loved about that story? It was, it was kind of what you left us with you know mm. that, it, that this this exploration of your sexuality mm-hmm. is fine and it's good and you should do this and you should you know you should embrace this yeah. and wherever you are on that journey yeah. you know it's it's important I think you learn a great deal you so do you and so I realized after I looked at this at the collection and also at the stories that deal either obliquely or obviously with sexuality that I somewhere in my subconscious think about sexuality as freedom so when she's you know doing the thing that she does and won't give it away at the end mm. of the story that makes sense to me of course yeah. she does what she does and then is free but, but at each stage you really get oh, that sense yes, of liberation yes, yes, you really get that sense of liberation all of fantastic I think there was something I wanted to bring to your attention I don't think we brought it up at the, when we did the initial findings you know the launch where again talking about women within you know, we talked talk about her from 18 you know to 30s mm-hmm. and I really remember in the survey in the experiential part where a woman said around the questions about you know what you were told in the experience of sex and there was someone I think she was in their 40s mm-hmm. basically she's never been touched oh. right you know my heart just it just I just it just sunk um, and I thought, I just thank you, whoever you are, for, for, for revealing that. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, that, that longing, that, that for whatever reason, oh, why that hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think there are so many of us who wander the earth as these sort of dynamic, confident-looking, fanly dressed, and we turn up and turn out. And there is this, this big hole where that's not being expressed or... I've been in situations I've found out some people I've known for a long time we have great conversations but this like you said certain people can have the conversations with who because of how their lifestyles are and everything else they have friends with benefits yeah. you know and, and but that gives them the freedom so they can explore their sexuality normally it's with the same person sometimes it's someone who's younger there is an understanding it's consensual it works for both um, invariably in a couple of situations you know you know someone gets married or whatever but there's quite a few what's happening is that then this sort of false narrative about our sexuality and how we express it happens but there's a whole sea of women who are mm-hmm, finding getting their needs mm-hmm. met quietly yeah. mm-hmm. but I think it's it good for the 30 something women and younger many of whom are struggling to find partners who they can connect with on lots of different levels. Mm. So they're single. They're not. They don't have an experimental phase. I think as long as you add, you know how to run that. Yes, yes. I've yes, of tried course. to run it when I was much younger mm. and found that doesn't work for You me, could get into a situation where actually, you know, pheromones and time spent, and you get relationshipy, and then of feelings course. arrive, yeah. and then because we are socialized to think that, you know, first come love, then come marriage, etc., etc., mm. you then think yourself into feelings that you have for a person, or you feel also this subtlety. I remember having kind of, I suppose, friends friends with benefit thing, maybe a bit similar to this story, but mm. it's not really autobiographical, but a, a series of experiences with this one person mm. over a long period of time. 
and realizing at one point, I, th- I thought I was in love with him at a point, and then I realized it wasn't. I was just offended that he wasn't in love with me. Mm. And yes. so that subtlety, yeah. you know yes. what I mean? That yeah. I didn't want him. I just wanted to be chosen. Yes. And I was irritated that he was getting pum pum and him don't choose me. You mm. know what I mean? It's like <laughs> on a more formal level. Mm. Even, but if he chosen me I would have said no <laughs> so then that was informative but I think to run that kind of friends with benefit things you, you really need to be very clear you need to have high levels of communication so does the person who you're in bed with or, and you need to check in with each other yeah. about how to run that and how you're both feeling um, but I mean also the, th- the category of women that you didn't you maybe implied but you mm. know, we haven't said explicitly is also periods women go through long periods of celibacy yeah I did mm. yeah so did I I mean I had eight years at one point mm. and I remember an ex-lover of mine me kind of mentioning it to him vaguely and him going you did what yes. you what <laughs> because he you know underground mm. no homie steer right? <laughs> so it was just like for eight years but I had also limited myself in I, I developed an idea about myself which was I am an emotional and sensitive person and I really like sex but I like it in the context of love mm-hmm. and so that's how I'm going to fuck and that's and then mm. uh, you know some years later I kind of thought yeah this celibacy thing is really not fun like I think I'd come to at the end of about a three and a half year relationship you've got to be careful not to yeah. overstay yeah. Yeah. instead of be sad stay it's yes exactly mm. very bad for you you mm. start drying up inside I swear <laughs> and also <laughs> Your spirit gets vexed as well. You know what I mean? My stepfather already told me, listen to me, nobody no dead not dead if you don't give them no crutches. You understand? Mm. Don't believe them. He, they won't die when they're rolling on the floor and telling you how they're in agony. They can pick up themselves and put on them clothes and go to them yard, right? He's like, what was, what was what was wonderful about this, not only was he saying that men can manage and should manage their responsibility for their own sexual space, mm. he was also empowering me to say, honey, when you are ready to have sex, you can have sex mm. there is no problem with you having sex there is no problem with you expressing your sexuality but you must be sure you must be confident you mm. must be calm you yes. must feel like it's the right thing which doesn't mean i haven't made errors there's stages you don't have to go to the denouement you know there's bits mm. that's really fun before you even get mm. to that point you know mm-hmm. and that's what people a lot of times don't explore especially mm-hmm. you know in this life for women hey it's so much fun and you don't have to go you know, give all of yourself. But the thing is, for me, what, what, what I've been quite consistent about is um, the fact that you and I were dating for a while, not had sex. I want to get some idea of what your sexual approach is mm-hmm. and course. attitude is. Because, um, you know, let's go into the R&B and hip hop songs with the nonsense songs, which irritate me, you know, when I'm going, isn't it? When I was growing up about, she can go down on him, um, but he ain't going down on her. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. said, mm-hmm. do you see what I mean? All this, mm-hmm. this, this, this inequality, what's that about? Mm-hmm. But also the misunderstanding, like somehow, and again, hence that, you know, a lot of the responses in the survey talking about, you know, sex being dirty and nasty. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that, that terminology is directed towards women, that, that our nether regions yeah. are dirty and nasty, yeah. which then goes into the women's psyche. And then we have a very odd relationship with, with our, our yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah with definitely. Our, with, That's why that program was yeah. that So you have to have those the, conversations, you, you know, with, with men to know, actually, do I want you as a sexual partner? Mm-hmm. So it's not just about having a love partner, are you a right sexual partner mm-hmm. for me? Mm-hmm. And so, and if you can't talk with me about it, and you're saying you're interested in me, well, that's that's going to be yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Yeah, that, that's off, a is skill it? that is necessary yes. as well. With all of the other things that you're looking at, or they're looking at for you, that the, you do have to be sexually compatible. You do need to Absolutely. develop a, a relationship mm-hmm. over time that, that that addresses those things yes. consciously. That doesn't and just kind of pretend this stuff away, you know. Mm-hmm. 
there's a way in which we can be in bed with people and just never talk about the thing that's going on the fact that you kind of keep getting to the edge of orgasm but never make it mm. you know uh, then people all take it all very seriously and, mm. and like laugh you know what I mean yes. like yes. Oh, I remember I remember once really being liberated by the following I was with a partner years ago and I just I just couldn't come we just kept getting to the edge of it and I kept thought I even was tempted to fake it because he was so frustrated and so you know upset and I felt upset for him and then I just one stage I just looked at him and said darling my body's just not behaving today and it's a body you know sometimes you have tummy ache and sometimes you have head ache and I just can't quite I can't quite go there I said but he said okay and then that allowed him to calm down mm. and not be so anxious and then he said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I would like to come because I'm now uncomfortable. Right? Mm -hmm. He said, all right, so what's the best way? I said, well, I'm more practiced at this than you are. <laughs> right? So if you, because it's my body, right? Yeah. So I said, how about you watch? This is maybe in my 20s or something. Yeah. I, said, I, to do. I said, how about you watch what I do? Because I know how to do this in like three minutes, right? <laughs> so he's like, fine. So he watched, he had to watch a lot <laughs> over a period of time. But then that, and that was the kind of start of me realizing again, in, not in theory, which mm. I'd had of course when I was young, but actually in practice, that if we all just take a breath and don't take it so very seriously or personally, my orgasm or my lack of orgasm should not offend you and make you feel less of a man. Mm. It's a new body, bodies trying to work each other out and that should be part of the fun. It's mm. like, oh, that part of you does this and this part. If we can all just slow down and I know, not, I'm not saying it's like it's a simple thing, but just mm. to slow down and pay attention to the human being in front of us. Mm. There's no rush. And also, and also yeah. as well, I mean, you're being that intimate with someone. Yeah. You know, you've, you've opened yourself up. Mm. Why would you then not want to talk about what's, you know, what's, yeah. how you like things yeah. and, and share, yeah. you know, if you, if well, you know. Shame, yeah. shame it's lacking, that, lacking a vocabulary it? for it, not knowing how to start. Sometimes men don't respond very well. Um, I'm not putting it all on them, but mm, I'm saying that yeah. that's also a true thing that can happen. I mean, we're being very heteronormative here. Yes, yeah, yeah, but we know. But you know, so it's so it's not an it's not an easy thing. But this kind of conversation, I hope, starts to help to mm. make a difference mm. to us claiming who we are, mm. especially as older women as well. It's like, oh, for God's sake, how long are you going to go through life having bad sex life? Do you not yes. want to shift and change something? Listen, definitely. I remember being, uh, I was married up until my early 30s, and mm. I married quite young. Mm. And, and, you know, and obviously, I had one partner, you know, and I, and I remember kind of being out there and kind of being able to experiment, being able to kind of find out more about who I was. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was so liberating. Yes. And actually, because, you know, you have this kind of upbringing where you're not really spoken about, but then you reach this point where actually everything is is acceptable yeah. and then it's yeah. really empowering yeah, 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 as a yeah. woman. I've always found that it's best for me, I guess, but I've seen this in other women as well, is that actually if you have one partner for a long period of time, that actually is feels better for women mm. because then we have time mm. to explore. Mm. Yeah. We have such wonderfully gorgeous, complicated bodies. I mean, you mm. know, having slept with men and women, women mm. are much harder. Men, joke. <laughs> <laughs> Women are really intricate and different. And you have to, you have to pay attention. You know, you are a really skilled lover if you can make a woman come. Yes, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and for supporting the project anyway, Thank and you for, for giving us such a this. fantastic book. Thank come you. let us sing yes. anyway. Thank you, Thank you so much. 
So that's that's it. We've come to the end of another fantastic episode. They're just getting better and better. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel the next guest who's going to be sure a man... I'm not sure how we're going to top this one. I really don't know. Well, we already have someone in mind that we, we're, yeah. we're thinking about approaching for the next mm. one. And so no pressure on them, but, you know, be prepared. So look, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you. And thanks, Leonie, again. Thank You're you. You're really welcome.